Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is July 25th, 2019. 45 days to kick off. But you know what? Football is here. Boom. It is the eve of training camp. By the time this podcast comes out, it will be training camp. And Ralph's 29th birthday. (laughs) 29. He's so So funny. Please wish him a very happy birthday. We had a press conference today with Bruce Arians, Bruce, Bruce, Jameis Winston, Devin White. Interesting little nuggets there. It was good to see them back. Very good. They had quarterback school this week where the rookies came in Sunday and then all the quarterbacks came in too. Except so for... Jameis was there. Everybody was there. No, the one with the hamstring. Oh, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Well, he might have been there, but... Nick Fitzgerald injured a hammy... Playing volleyball on the beach. Beach volleyball. So he's actually been put on the pup list. Yeah, everybody on the pup list needs to step up their game because this is a whole new team. Everybody's fighting for their jobs. If you if you ain't out there practicing, you probably ain't gonna make the team. Yeah, and he said as much with Justin Evans. He said, I've never seen the guy play. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious about that. I think Justin Evans very well could lose his job. Him and Ryan Smith both. Yeah. The new- two like veteran secondary <laughs> veteran. that we have, besides Vernon Hargreaves. Well, it's a it's a new day. It's a new team, new coach. Uh, I don't think he's going to play around with any of this. You earn your job just because you've been there. You know, I think everybody's going to have to earn their job by performing, as it should be. As it should be. Been a long time since we've had that. We had talked about Devin White signed his rookie contract the other day. And we didn't know anything about the contract other than the fact that it was four years and it was all guaranteed money for four years. There or there was guaranteed money each year and then a fifth-year option. But we have the numbers on that. He is now the ninth highest paid player on the team in terms of average salary. Uh, it's a contract of four years worth $29.315 million with an average annual salary of $7.328 million. The deal, it's all fully guaranteed, including a signing bonus of $19.34 million. Uh, this year coming up, White will earn a base salary of 495000 and a signing bonus of $19 million, while carrying a cap hit of $5.3 million. That's a lot. He's making $19 million this year? Oh, yeah, and he's already going out spending that. Really? He, in his press conference, he somebody asked him about Jameis, what he thought about Jameis, and he's like, he's... Such a hard worker. I called him the other night to use his truck so I could bring some TVs home from the store. (laughs) (laughs) I'll buy TVs. If you've got a big enough TV that you need a truck to move it, you're spending that $19 You know, something can't be right with this because it's saying that the four-year contract is worth $30 basically. Uh That's an average annual salary of $7.3 Yeah. And a signing bonus of $20 million? Right. That only leaves $9 million for the next three years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow your math. Well, it's saying, all right, it says he, he's going to get a base salary of 495000 this year, plus his signing bonus of $19.3 million. Well, if he's only getting $29 million in the full contract, that's $20 million gone right there. So that only leaves $9 million for the next three years. So maybe he's making $3 million a year. 
He's got a cap hit of five point three million this year, in two thousand nineteen, which is what I said about five million. Yeah, they spread out that signing bonus. Yeah, that's the point. But it says here that he's he's getting the signing bonus this year, nineteen million. Anyhow, yeah. anyhow, that's the thing. We'll stick with it's uh, twenty nine million over four years. over four years with a fifth year option in twenty twenty three. How about them apples? How about it? Used to a top five draft pick would make a heck of a lot more money. I do like that with the CBA, how the rookies are kind of boxed in with how much they can make. Because that would cripple a team, a franchise for years. You know, you get a first, second, third pick in the first round. You end up paying them $100 million contract. They don't perform. That's outrageous. You, you cut them after two years. You're out all that money. and ugh, Yeah, it would hurt teams, man. Never, never played an NFL snap making fifty, eighty, hundred million dollars. Redonkulous. It's, it's like a big a, gamble too on the team's part. Who was that? Jamarcus Russell, with Oakland. Geese. He just robbed them blind. Didn't do nothing. Probably one of the biggest busts in NFL history. If you look at money and all that crap. At this point, we've got two point two million left <laughs> of the salary cap. Yeesh, man, we're gonna have to, to get spend. rid of people. That's why I say, man, I would be totally surprised if we keep, J- keep JPP. I mean, somebody with big contracts got to go. They put him on the NFI list, too. So that's a non-football injury. I saw you had brought up, you were saying that we would might not have to pay him if we put him on the NFI. And I've seen a couple other people say that, but it would go into basically legal fights. Yeah, because, that's what I gathered. I think Tampa Bay Trey was talking about it, too. Because you can... Not pay them if they got injured off the field, not have anything to do with football, and it was something that they did to injure themselves, basically out of negligence. Right. But this wasn't, you know, he got into a car wreck, although it was by himself. Yeah. I it would it would be up in the air. So, but anyhow, I mean, two million is not enough, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna want to sign some free agents once once teams start cutting everybody. We need to get up to about $10 million. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, well, these free agents think will be cheap. And So what kind of free agent do you think we'll be looking for? Well, we could possibly go with a right guard. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to get some more defensive linemen or you know, edge rushers. Maybe maybe they'll be looking. At, I think it all depends on who comes available. And if they if the coaching staff thinks they fit, you know, we could use some people in the secondary. Really, the only positions that we're not hurting at is quarterback, Running back, I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I think we got a good stable of running backs. Uh, wide receiver, tight end. Cameron Bray could be on the chopping block. You know, that's a big season. He's getting $7 million this year. Yeah. I don't think we can cut him at this point, but I think we can trade him. Right. I think we'd get a good trade for him. Not that I want to. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody to leave. I don't want JPP to leave. But we, there's no way we can go into you know this part of the season when teams start cutting guys with only $2 million. There's no way. We ain't going to be able to go shopping. We ain't going to be able to get nobody. <laughs> well, they couldn't do it during free agency either. B.A. was sitting on his boat twiddling his thumbs. Riding his golf cart on his boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking his bourbon. We had a couple people tweet at us with their them wearing their hats. I loved it. Yes, it was awesome. The Kangle? Kangle. Kangle hats that they got with the crew package for being season ticket holders. You know what I always think of when I see the word Kangle? I think of Kegels. Really? And I'm like, I don't want to say the wrong one. I have to think about it for a second. I, I think Kankles. Yeah. It's an unfortunate name. I wonder why it's called the Kangle. That would be something to look up. Where did the name originate from? 
James Winston gave his press conference today, too. He seemed much more affable and enjoying himself. Yeah, he did look really lighthearted. And he got up to the podium, and they didn't say a thing. The media, like, nobody asked him any questions. He gets up there, and he's like, how y'all doing? And nobody says anything. And then he kind of gets on him a little bit. Well, how are you guys doing? <laughs> he's, like, you know? he's like pumping up the crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buccaneers media, you guys. It's such such a far cry from, remember, about midway point last year, how he was just somber. And, oh, I was so sad to see. Dirk Cutter really put a whooping on him, man, just messed with him mentally. I don't think purposely. I think he just didn't know how to manage people. Yeah. But, yeah, Jameis seems much more lighthearted. But the Jameis we remember when he first got drafted, you know, all full of bravado and we're going to win and... Not doing a bunch of coach speak. What were you saying about Jenna Lane? Oh, during Devin White's press conference, she asked about 20 questions about the horse. (laughs) Like, immediately, as soon as he got up there. I know, man. I'm like, you know, the dude's still hurting. He's probably still sad about it. Yeah. She's probably going to write a story about it, is why she's asking. Yeah. I think she did already, didn't she? She might write another one. She's going to beat that horse to death. Oh, (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Oh, at least you didn't say dead horse. That's true. Beat the dead Beating horse. Beat the dead horse. Yeah. We're horrible people. Stop. <laughs> but we, I mean you. So, it's not funny. I'm really sad for him. He seemed to be in good spirits, though. Yeah. He said that they were riding at like 730 at night in Louisiana. And she just got too hot. It's just too humid down there. Oh, I thought that he was here getting ready to sign his contract. They were putting the horse in the trailer. No. Really? Yeah. Well, the you know, it, I think that was a Jenna Lane story. Got that one all wrong. I have to look that up. They, he spent like all night with her. He tried to get her in a, in the stable, I guess, with air conditioning and all that. And it just, he said he went to the emergency vet with her at like midnight. And then the next morning he flew out. And she died after he flew out? I think before. I know he looked really sad when he was signing his contract. Yeah. Here we are talking about the horse. People do care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I ain't got a problem with it. I want to know about the horse. Feel for the guy, man. That's sad. Yeah. I don't think he's got kids yet, does he? No. Not that I know of. But it's exciting to get football back in the bloodstream. You know, we've been watching that all or nothing with the Carolina Panthers. We're almost finished. We've got one more episode uh, left. We're not done yet? No, we've got one more episode okay. left. All right. And they did exactly what I was talking about. They. It was how many episodes? Eight? Yeah. The Carolina Panthers basically had their implosion midway through the season. So that should have been the last four episodes, if you do the math. We want to see that shit drug out. I know. That's what (laughs) I wanted to watch it for. And it's the last two episodes. They kind of touched on it the the last half of the last episode. or the Episode seven seven. or six? Yeah, something like that. Anyhow, so it it hasn't been enough downtrodden and beat up Carolina Panthers for me. But I tell you, we have enjoyed the last part of this immensely, just watching them. And one thing I'll say, I could watching this, me and Molly have talked about it at length, the disrespect that the players seem to have for their coaching staff and the owner, they just came across that way in this. And, of course, you got to take for uh, consideration that, you know, these shows are edited to show you basically what the producers want you to see. But the way they were just treating their coaching staff and the – 
the ownership and everybody in the front office, it was just like, good. They don't have a whole lot of respect for these guys. Yeah, the inmates are definitely running the asylum there. And I don't see it getting any better this season, even with the changes that Ron Rivera has implemented with the coaching staff. I don't think it's going to help. Thomas Davis was openly mocking the defensive coordinator, like in front of the defensive coordinator, like he's standing right beside him. Now, this is a young guy. It was his first year as a coordinator, and he actually got his play calling duties revoked. And Ron Rivera stepped in at this point in the season because the defense wasn't performing. But so you have Thomas Davis, a leader, a veteran on the defense mocking the defensive coordinator. Then he had a really awkward, weird exchange between Cam Newton and the owner. It was very strange. It was so weird. And I don't know if it was like that in real life. I wanted to crawl into a hole. You're talking about when he came over to the bench? And yeah, got... they're all sitting on a bench during practice. And I guess the owner's out there. And Cam's like flagging down the owner, telling him to come over there. And the owner was like, you're telling me I need to come over there? And so they kind of meet in the middle, and Cam's like, you're a successful guy. Why don't you give us a pep talk? Like, it and, was, and you felt like Cam was being sarcastic to the guy. Why don't you come over and give us some words of encouragement? encouragement. Well, I, I almost got a sense that he was, like, playing it up for the camera, for the cameras. Because I don't know. I, I get the sense that they encourage them to make a lot of speeches. I don't know. Yeah, and the, and the owner walks over, and he starts giving this you know, he's kind of caught off guard, but he starts giving this whole thing, which I agreed with, you know, that basically success is about getting knocked down nine times and getting up 10. You know, that's all success is, is being able to handle losing. And so he's kind of saying this to these guys and uh, it's not coming across really well, but they're all just sitting there kind of like rolling their eyes and looking the other way. And they kept interrupting him and trying to get him to shut up. And then Cam like, like cuts him off at one point and they like go to shake hands or something and Cam like grabs his hand and like holds it up for everybody and goes, it says in his weird voice, he's like, you know how much money these hands have touched? It was just very so weird. So weird. Yeah. And I don't know, Cam, I I just don't like him even more now. His, his showboating, his showboating, it's just, it's just the Cam show. It's just all about Cam, 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 Cam. We had quite a few Carolina Panthers fans. <laughs> Listen to the podcast and give us not some not some very happy feedback from our last episode about our reviewing the all or nothing. But hey, this podcast ain't for you. I'm sorry you're a Panthers fan. I really do. I really am. I, <laughs> my heart goes out to you. It's kind of like being born in Afghanistan. Your life just sucks. <laughs> you know? Probably just offended all the people in Afghanistan that listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just hey, here, if you, if, if you want your life to be better, join the Buccaneer fan base. That's all I'm saying. Don't be mad at us for telling the truth. Or what is it they like to say? My truth. My it's truth. A, we're just a, speaking our truth. We're just speaking our truth here. <laughs> so, Another thing that really struck me about the team was, and what has made a, been made a big deal of for us this offseason is the leadership in the locker room. Mm. And in... The Panthers locker room, they had a couple instances where the veterans were going to the young players and trying to like coach them up and help them. And the 
rookie or the young guys were taking offense to it. Getting all upset. Oh, my gosh. Basically telling them to F off. Yeah, getting real salty about it. One of them was Devin Funches, which he's not a rookie. I mean, he's been there for, what, four years or something. But he had a case of the drops last season. Or that's what the show made it out to be. I'm sure he caught something. Yeah, I mean, that game in Detroit was really bad. But Cam tried to come to him and talk to him. And he got real pissy about it, too. And to me, it goes back to what we said in the last episode, that everything just felt really insincere Mm. about the team, about the leadership. And I think that's what you get when your leaders are insincere and they try to lead. You don't get anyone to follow you like that. And Jenna Lane had a great response to Tony Dungy today on Twitter, which was something to this effect. It was something totally unrelated. But she said, I think the key is also coaching authentically from what I've seen slash who I've talked to. Players are pretty good at discerning a coach or teammate trying to be someone they're not. Easy way to lose respect versus sticking to your core principles as a human being. So she really touched on it, too. And that's the sense that I got from watching the All or Nothing. And I think that's one of the issues with Jared McCoy. And he's going to... Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. 22 minutes minutes in. in. Hey, how can you tell a Bucks fan? (laughs) Give him 22 minutes, so bring up Jerry McCoy. The, you know, he he took on the mantle of leadership with the Buccaneers defense and basically the whole team. I mean, he talked about it every year. He was the leader. He's going to put the team on his back and all this, and he just wasn't a leader. He wouldn't get involved in the uh, the group breakdowns. You know, he was always standing off to the side. You know, when, when guys were celebrating, he usually wasn't around. It, it just wasn't. That leadership material, but yet he was claiming that he was a leader. And I think it just didn't sit right with people. So I think going to the Panthers was probably the best place for him because it seems like they're all like that over there. Yeah. They all like to dress fancy, talk crap, and then when things don't work out their way, they pout, which that's Cam Newton. I I used to love that about him. It was the quickest (laughs) way to tell when they were in the shit was Cam Newton would be sitting on the sideline with his head covered by a towel. So immature. I loved it. I loved every time I saw that. He got so much criticism for it, he stopped. He still does a towel on his head, though. Yeah, he had the one good year. I think it was 2016. 15. Uh, 2015. Super Bowl. Yeah, where he, you know, he really controlled his emotions and started playing calm and relaxed and all that. Did well. I'm glad to see that he's back to his mopey, emotional self. And that that owes outfits, man. I just... (laughs) I don't get it at all. See, I do think that he's kind of a goober, but I wouldn't say that he was the problem <laughs> in the locker room. I'm going to say he is just because I don't like him. It has no basis in reality <laughs> or facts. It's just what the more piling on I could do to Cam Newton, the better. Yeah. That's not to say that I like him. He did show some good attributes of a quarterback. His arm was definitely an issue in the season and Part of the reason that they were losing. Well, a lot of the reason they were losing. Yeah, he was throwing crap in the dirt. Yeah. But how about Greg Olson? We talked about Greg Olson. He just seems like the kind of guy that people don't like. Yeah. We were talking about later. He's the kind of guy that you you like having a party at your house and you tell everybody else not to talk about it so that he doesn't find out. And come to. Right. Because he's the kind of guy that would just show up without being invited. Yeah. But they had him coaching his son. I, I don't know if it was... 
uh, and his son was like six or seven years oh, old. Now he was smaller. He was like four. Yeah, five. he's he's out there with his son Small. throwing football, and there was a couple other little kids out there too. I don't know if it was no, organized. it was a flag football. It was a flag league. Okay, yeah, he was just yelling at these guys, and I mean, just being the biggest jerk, you know. And they're small children. Yeah, he's like, this is serious. This ain't supposed to be fun. I'm like, they're fucking children. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be fun. I right there, you know. I'm I'm big into parenting, and I hate. Parenting like that. So I'm like, Greg Olson, get out of here. I hope he stays with the team forever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a cancer. <laughs> I think he, he's kind of socially awkward. And he's a jerk to his kids. So keep him in their locker room. <laughs> Fits right in. Ron Rivera starts trying to get involved, kind of bring the team back towards the end of the season. After he chewed him out, man, he walked into that auditorium and just cuss those guys out yeah that was great I that was, that. yeah that was the defensive team meeting i think that's when they knew that they were in for some shit and he started firing coaches and then he started taking over the defense again he was like working with the defensive coordinator he's like oh we're gonna go through together and then he's like sitting in the back of the meeting room like nothing worse than your boss hovering <laughs> over you while you're trying to do your job and then he's meeting with washington he meets with Washington after these press conferences or the the team meetings with the defense and like critiques him on his performance. It was weird. The it felt and, like and the, then while Rivera's sitting in the back of the meeting room watching the defensive coordinator do his meeting with the players, the defensive coordinator calls players up to have them break down game film. It was very strange. It was very strange. It was like, I don't know. Like, it's like something you would see in a high school where the principal comes in, sits in the back, and the teacher gets the students to come up and give book reports. Yeah. To prove, look, I am teaching them something. Very strange. It just seemed like the whole team kind of got away from Ron R- Rivera, and by the time he figured it out, it was too late. That's not going to happen with us. Arians has got these guys on like that. But, you know, I was watching the press conference, and I was so happy because a lot of the stuff he was saying in the press conference, me and Molly have been saying on the podcast since the day we found out he was going to be the head coach. Like, we're going to a 3-4. I mean, we were by far the first ones to say. I mean, immediately we were like, oh, we're going to a 3-4 as soon as he yeah. hired balls. Everybody else was like, oh, I don't know, and all that. But he was saying, Arians said today that Tampa Bay fans are used to seeing a four-man front just rushing with four up front. He said, you're not going to get that anymore. It's going to be something like you've never seen before. And that's almost exactly like what we've been saying (laughs) on this podcast for months now. Uh, He talked about how they're going to be tackling at training camp this year. No more of this half tackling crap. You know, we called that months ago too. Uh, He talked about Noah Spence, how Noah Spence has really impressed him and all that. We've been up, we've been talking Noah Spence since basically the day we found out Bowles was going to be the defensive coordinator. We were like, he's perfect for that defense. So we're just saying that we are like Bruce Arians. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting in his head. That's right. We're getting in Bruce Arians. Hey, you got to take him when you can get him, you know, and take these wins when you can. These are wins for us, the way I look at it. We were right those three times. <laughs> That's right. Just ignore ignore all the other times. When have we been wrong? We're never wrong. Oh, I know. I can think of a few off. You hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. <laughs> I won't say it. <laughs> we talked about the Carolina Panthers, so I think it's only fitting that we talk about some of our other division rivals. Michael Thomas 
is holding out of training camp. He wants a big contract with the Saints. And they've been in negotiations, but he didn't get the contract that he wanted. So he's not showing up till he gets his contract. That's music to my ears. I love to hear when teams have issues like this. And that's a pretty big issue. I mean, he's their main receiver. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's so awesome. I, I don't think he's all that great. I mean, he's just... Drew Brees he's got Drew makes Brees. him look good. Right, Drew Brees has, makes everybody look great. Uh, remember that tight end they had that went to Seattle? Jimmy Graham? Yeah, what'd he do? Nothing. I mean, he was okay. After, he, after like three years at Seattle, he finally had a decent year. But, you know, Drew Brees is kind of like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And they'll make anybody look good. They raise everybody else's game. That's how good they are. And that's what great players do. They make everybody else good. Michael Thomas isn't that impressive to me. I mean, good, look at the look at the long string of receivers New Orleans has had since oh, yeah. Drew Brees has been there. And every year they're like, oh, this is the best receiver or whatever. And then he goes to another team. You never hear from him again. Yeah. So, yes, I hope Michael Thomas holds out until the day before training camp. It becomes an issue for New Orleans Saints the whole time. It's a distraction. And then he comes in, he plays like crap, and Drew Brees breaks his leg. <laughs> Drew Brees breaks Drew Brees' leg. Oh, okay. Well, he can break Michael no. Thomas' leg, too. I don't care. Just want to see some legs get broken on the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't be wishing for injuries. I oh, know, I know. Remember when they had the bounty PC. gate with their defensive coordinator that was Yeah, Greg Williams. Out? I can't believe he's still out on a coach. He's still a, he's a good coach, though. So. Where's he at now? Is it the Jets? It was the Browns, I think. He just kind of hops from team to team. He has been recently... The Jets, defensive oh, okay. coordinator. All right. He's kind of like Rob Ryan. Like, he just goes from team to team to team. Except better than Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan was horrible. He was on Hard Knocks. That was weird. Or not Hard Knocks, All or Nothing, when they went to the London game. Yeah, that was. The, the, the Panthers are walking in London, and there's Rob Ryan right, sitting just there. sitting, like, at Were a table playing? somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, and he was like, hey, it's okay. <laughs> Like, it was so what weird. Are you doing like, there? what is that dude doing here? It was really weird. Like, no context. Good leave. Greg Williams has coached for the Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Titans, back when they were the Houston Oilers. And then when they became the Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills, Washington Redskins, Jacksonville Jaguars, New Orleans Saints, St. Louis Rams, Tennessee Titans again, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams again, Cleveland Browns, and now the Jets. So he's, he's about coached for half the league. Yeah. Keep your job, old man. Oh, but that, you know, that, let's get back on the all or nothing real quick. I want to touch on this. There was that game against the Falcons where uh, number 11, Torrey Smith, hit Cam Newton as he was sliding, hit him in the head. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that got ejected? Yes. Okay. Now, during that play, number 11, Torrey Smith hits, no, number 27, uh, DeMonte Casey hits Newton as he's sliding, hits him in the head. Everybody gets in an uproar. Well, number 11 from Carolina, Torrey Smith, runs over and shoves DeMonte Casey. Now, Torrey Smith got a personal foul for that, but he didn't get ejected, and he didn't get suspended. And then number 98, McKinley, uh, Tacarus McKinley from Atlanta, he came in and hit number 11. Do you remember when Mike Evans hit Marshawn Lattimore in the Saints game, and they suspended him for a game afterwards? Yeah. How can they do that here? I mean... I don't know. I missed Tw- the whole 27 point. was thrown out of the game. Yeah. But, right? So 27 they, hits But that was Cam because Newton. of the hit on Cam Newton. Right. But then the other guy comes in, number 11, Torrey Smith, and hits I think it's more when there's a fight between two guys and they're throwing blows and one retaliates. That's when they'll eject both. But I think but the what? one guy only got ejected because of the hit on Cam Newton, not because of the fight. 
with the other guy. Right. I can understand. He gets ejected. But why wasn't uh, Torrey Smith ejected for hitting 27 DeMonte Casey? It's just like when Evans came over and shoved Lattimore. Evans got a game suspension for that mess. So why didn't you see any of that with this? I don't know. I'm just... I was just thinking about that whole exchange with Lattimore. Didn't, like, Jameis, like, poke his yeah, helmet? Poking. And then Lattimore turns around, and that's when uh, Evans clocks him. Yeah. That was a great exchange. <laughs> I loved it. There's a YouTube video of children that are arguing about whether it's raining or sprinkling. They're, like, little. It went viral. You have to look at it. And the one kid goes, you poked my heart. And that's what it makes me think of. <laughs> he gets really upset because the little girl, like, pokes him in the chest. He goes, you poked my heart. Oh. Anyhow, to me, it just shows how we're the redheaded stepchildren of the NFL when crap like that happens. That's what every team in the NFL says. Well, every other team, they're a bunch of idiots, and they're wrong. <laughs> Speaking of the Falcons, they had a free... <laughs> a bunch of idiots. <laughs> they, their free agent safety, J.J. Wilcox, that they just signed in the offseason, tore his ACL and won't play. Wow. The whole season. They got a defensive end, didn't they? Alan Bailey. They signed him to a two-year, $5.25 million deal from... Uh, he, was, he was a former Chiefs defensive end. Now, Atlanta just signed him. They so needed they, some depth on their line. It sounds like they're going to need some depth on their safety position. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're getting messed up over there. Training camp hasn't even started. Well, that was practice on the 22nd. J.J. Wilcox. Was he a rookie? No, he's been all around the league. Okay. He gets around. He gets around. <laughs> <laughs> Our injured guys, we touched on this briefly with Justin Evans, the guys that we put on the pup list. This is the physically unable to perform list. It was not just Justin Evans. It was... Also, Jack Sitchi, outside linebacker David Kinney, and wide receiver Xavier Ubosi. Now, those guys need to uh, step it up because I'm telling you, you are not going to make the team being on the pup list. If you're not out there practicing and showing air injury stuff, you're not going to make the team. Xavier Ubosi already got cut. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, that's right because we signed, we signed two guys. We signed an undrafted rookie cornerback, Mazzy Wilkins. He played at Plant, I don't know where that is, in USF. And he was a tryout player at our mini camp in May. And then we also signed tight end Troy Nicholas, who played for Bruce Arians at Arizona from 2014 to 2017. So he's going to compete for a backup tight end job. Isn't that the tight end? That's this <laughs> is the guy that said, quote, uh, when talking about Bruce Arians' coaching style, he said, quote, he gets my name confused with dumb motherfucker a lot. Arians <laughs> 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 hey, said that at his press conference today. He said, uh, if you're going to bring your kids out to the to training camp, you might want to put some head muffs, air, air muffs on them or something. Uh-huh. Plug their ears. Yeah. It's not going to be family friendly. <laughs> you might hear some language they ain't supposed to hear out there. Oh, and he said, no music. He was no emphatic about music. that. No music. And did you see that in the All or Nothing with the Panthers? They just got stomped. And Cam Newton, during practice, goes over to the, the DJ center or whatever it was they had over there. And he puts on this pop song. I don't even know what it was, some girl or something. Uh, it was TLC, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Unpretty. 
Wow. All my millennials will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and of course, Greg Olson knows all the words. He's over there singing it to everybody. I knew all the words. I was singing it too. And everybody's ignoring Greg Olson singing he this. Sure He's was. like trying to get all everybody to pay attention. He's going, I, I know all the words basically. So Cam Newton goes on. He's blasting this. And then Thomas gets pissed off because apparently he's like, hey, we shouldn't be out here having fun. No, he just hated the song. It was the song. He's the fun police. He's the that guy. So he goes over there and turns it off. I was like, and then walks off the field. I was like, maybe eh. that's why he's not with the team anymore. Yeah, that and joking. Yeah, yeah the defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator, you gone. Oh, uh, Brian Anger signed with the Texans. He did. Yeah. Bruce Arians was talking about the kicker situation in his press conference. Sounds to me like Matt Gay is the favorite to win this one. The way he said it. Yeah. What he's looking for. I'm looking for somebody that can. Kick it long. And yeah, make a long one when we need it at 50-plus yarder, which that is not Cairo Santos. Didn't he kick a really – he kicked a, like a 53-yard game-winning field goal for us last year, didn't he? I want to say it was against uh, – I can't remember. Probably, but he definitely doesn't have the leg that Matt Gay does. I guess from, from what we've heard. Right. Yeah, Matt Gay has apparently got a heck of a foot. We're talking about having to raise the roof in the practice facility because he's going to – Well, they're not using that anyway. Maybe that's why, because he can't. He keeps hitting the ceiling. Well, he's a kicker. He's not a punter, and he's hitting the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but it's just showing he's got a strong leg. I think they were being facetious, funny, sarcastic. Funny. I like how you got to give me synonyms for your big words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dummy. <laughs> oh, uh, JPP got on the top 100 list. He did. It just came out, number 65. That's yeah, it just right. came out like five minutes ago. Number 65. Not bad. I'm glad. Did you put, uh, Gerald McCoy Again. made it? I know, but I, it's going to be all year. You know what? Year. I've been coming up with a Buccaneers drinking game for the uh, for the season. Yes, and? I was just thinking we should do one for the podcast where you got to take a drink every time you mention Gerald McCoy. <laughs> You'll be, was, you'll be too sloshed to edit. <laughs> he, was, he was ranked 75th on this stupid NFL Top 100 list. Okay. Here we are That's going. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Good for JPP. He got number 65. This list is awesome. Yeah, and it's stupid when people don't like you. Know, but, I mean, Joe McCoy's stats weren't any better than they were last year, and he's 75th now. Yeah, and he didn't make it on there last year. Right. Doesn't make any sense to me. These things are, you know, they're just... Popularity, popularity contest, just like the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Did you hear that Mark Sanchez is officially retiring? Oh, no. I know. The butt fumble was one of the greatest the plays <laughs> in NFL history. That was like his best season <laughs> as a spectator because this is my favorite John Gruden moment ever. Ralph and I about died. He's oh. <laughs> announcing a Monday night football game when Sanchez, is he with the Jets or the Eagles? Uh, he was with the Jets. And... It's a crappy game for Sanchez. Like, he's just getting stumped. And you know how John Gruden basically kisses everyone's ass when he's announcing the game. And it's bad for Mark Sanchez. And he's sitting on the sideline. He's looking at a binder. He's got his hands, his head in his hands, just sit, like, kind of clutching his hair, like, pulling his hair a little bit. And John Gruden goes, I don't know what's going on with Mark Sanchez. It looks like he's doing calculus down there. <laughs> and Ralph and I, like, look at each other. We're like, did John Gruden just call Mark dumb? <laughs> he can't. The, the playbook was just too much for him to it understand. Was, <laughs> it was bad. 
Never forget it. I'll never forget that butt fumble. I was watching that game. You were sleeping. I don't know if you remember me waking you up and being, you've got to see this play. <laughs> he just fumbled the ball running into his offensive lineman's big ass. It was hilarious. He had that one good season, and he just looked like he could be an elite quarterback. They get to the NFC Championship, lost, and then it was just all over. The Jets are just a shit organization from top to bottom. They're just bad ownership, bad management, everything. They don't they don't care, and they're in a division. They're, they're going to wait till Bill Belichick and Tom Brady die before they <laughs> even try. And Not just retire. They're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> So when nobody remembers those two, then that's when the Jets might actually start trying to win games. But I wouldn't play for the Jets for nothing. I'd play for the Browns before I play for the Jets. You go to the Jets, that's where your career dies. I can't think of anybody that's really come from the Jets that has done anything. You know, poor Todd Bowles, he goes there and just gets dumped on for, what was he there, three, four years, four years? And, you know, I mean, he's a pretty good coach, but just... They, they, you know, it was just horrible for him. But Sanchez had stood no chance, no chance. And then by the time he left the Jets, he was ruined. Yeah. But yeah, the Jets are just just a bad, bad organization. Oh, they're right. I think if if you rank like as far as organizations are concerned, Miami's up there too with the bad organization, ownership, and all that good stuff, front office. But Jets are just I don't know, man. It's do you think they're like kind of bad. do you think they're like the redheaded stepchild? <laughs> Of New York City, because they have the Giants they like that, too. Yeah, they they like that attitude of being the. They're like the working class we're team. We're the, the blue collar New York team. They're the bargain bin Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> and they've had some good players on their team, but hey. Speaking of Pittsburgh Steelers, in BA's press conference today, remember during our quarterback whisper podcast, he was talking about. Lou Gehrig and the other guy, Wally, Wally Pippen. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. And that Wally was the starter. The starter. He got hurt. Lou Gehrig comes in. Wally didn't start another game. Right. Yeah. Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig never missed a game for like 19 years or some crap like that. Right. He just totally took his job. Nobody's ever heard of Pippen. Right. And. Yeah, Lou Gehrig is a household name. So, B.A. likes to tell the story to his players. Just Basically to saying, say, saying, don't get hurt. Someone's going to take your job. Don't get hurt. Someone's going to take your job and be prepared to take somebody's job. Yeah. He said that in his press conference today that, you know, the, the most valuable player on the team is the guy that's ready to fill in for the uh, guy that gets hurt. So He also said he needs to come up with a new story because no one knows who Lou Gehrig is. Yeah. All these young guys have not a clue <laughs> who he's talking about. No whippersnappers. Whippersnappers. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Let's do some media bashing here. Take a big time. You still suck. Okay. John Romano. Was oh, he the editor? One of the editors? No, I think he's just a sports columnist, but he wrote an article. Here's the title. You tell me if you notice anything. It's a time of hope in the NFL, but do the Bucks deserve it? No, because <laughs> Betteridge's Law of Headlines. <laughs> Betteridge's Law of Headlines. What are with these guys? They're just, they're just lazy, man. Yeah, he goes on to basically say, no, the Bucs don't deserve it. He, he bitches about how the Bucs have not been in the playoffs in 11 years and even brings up a bunch of math to show how hard that is to do to not make the playoffs in today's NFL. Tell that to anyone who has to play the New Orleans Saints twice a year. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, and, and he says that the, the fans should not be hopeful. And that was really the whole purpose of this whole article. Yeah. Here, here's, here, I'm going to quote. Here, here's a quote. 
The truth is, this is the time of year when the NFL sells hope. Sometimes it's real and sometimes it's concocted. But most towns have seen enough good days to believe anything is possible in the parody-driven NFL. We, on the other hand, have come to view hope as a four-letter word. So let them be stoked in Kansas City and pumped in New Orleans. Let them start saving money for playoff tickets in Indianapolis and clearing their schedules in Chicago. As for Tampa Bay, we will do it our way. Cynically, sarcastically, and suspicious of hope. Why are we encouraging that? These people are just, they're just sad people, man. I I think they live lives of misery and they want everybody else to be miserable around them. If you're not hopeful at this time of the year, oh, what in the world is your life about? What do you watch sports for? They're supposed to be fun. It's a fun, it's entertainment. These guys don't have fun. I guess They're just not. not. A fun Good group. Lord, Debbie Downer, John Romano. <laughs> no. I mean, Go back to your cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I understand that I, I sports teams across the league have writers like this and all this, but the Tampa Bay Times is just infested with them. Yeah. There's not a single person at the Tampa Bay Times that I like to read because all they are is... Negativity. De- negative Debbie Downer cynical. And, like Tom Metrics had a tweet the other day, our boy Tom. <laughs> I woke you up with this one, too. Yeah, she sent this to me. First thing in the morning. And she says, he, he, he tweeted out, said, Bruce Arians continues to push a misinformed narrative because Bruce Arians said, don't play from behind when he's got to throw it 50 times and put the onus on him to win the game and make kicks. End quote. Jameis Winston's early game turnovers are part of the reason the Bucks have been playing from behind, according to Thomas Bassinger. But then again, a bunch of people pulled up stats in the tweet thread showing him how wrong he is. One guy. I love that because he loves to use stats to prove his point and he'll manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, in 2016, Jameis Winston had 11 interceptions in the first half and seven interceptions in the second half all year. Other than that, the rest of the seasons, he's been more interceptions in the second half than the first half. So Tom Metrics doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And he's just a jerk off anyhow. So <laughs> It's like these guys feel like it's their job to just crap all over the team so that when the team does bad, they can sit there and go, see, I told you. Right. They're hedging their bets. They're hedging their bets. You don't never see them put themselves out there and go, this is going to be a spectacular year. Well, they did with Lovey and see how that worked out for them. Man, they all kissed Lovey's butt so hard. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that got him here. Yeah, true enough. They Who they wanted. That's who they wanted. The, I would like to see that. I would like to see a football team of nothing but stocked with players picked by sports writers. <laughs> it would probably be the worst football team that's ever existed on the planet. Isn't that what fantasy football is, though? Yeah, I, I'd love to play these guys in fantasy football. You just mop the floor with them. <laughs> nah. Well, fantasy football is totally different. It's not the same as real football, of course. We know that. <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't. I know. Apparently, everybody at the Tampa Bay Times. If we just got this guy that had these many interceptions, we would have that many interceptions, too. That's not how it works. Were you reading that right off a Joe Box fan? <laughs> no. And we wanted to thank all you uh, listeners out there that have been sharing our podcast with everybody. We do appreciate it. We appreciate all you listeners. You're the reason why we're here. Well, that and the fact that we just like to talk Bucks. And probably if there wasn't any listeners at all, we'd... We'd still, still be do sitting it. doing yeah. this. Yeah. All we've done is basically just put a microphone in front of us because this is how we talk all the time. We talk, sit around and talk about the books and other things, but we won't do that for the podcast. <laughs> we are going to finish off the All or Nothing. We're probably going to la- watch the last one tonight or tomorrow night and get that wrapped up. We'll give you our whole summation. I'm still going to do, like I said, where I just, because I've been recording us watching it. You know, I've got a, my phone sitting there recording while we're watching it. So I'm just going to pull out 
some of the funny stuff we say. And you got keep in mind we're generally we've been generally drunk when we watch this. So <laughs> we should be able to get a few good sound bites out of it. So we'll give you a wrap up on that. Uh, tomorrow is training camp, but that's y'all will be listening to this tomorrow. So training camp starts while you're listening to this. It's probably already started. On Ralph's birthday. Yay, Ralph. Big 29. <laughs> is that what you said, 29? Yeah. <laughs> oh, to be 29 again. Oh, my gosh. It's like half a lifetime ago. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. You can reach us by email at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com or ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. We're on YouTube and Facebook. Search for us there. And we're also on the World Wide Web at buccaneersobserver.com. All right, guys, we will talk to you Monday. And by then, we'll have some good information about training camp. Oh, Ian Beckles is supposed to be doing his radio broadcast from training camp starting tomorrow, I think. I'm not sure. So check that out. I uh, downloaded the iHeartRadio app so I can listen to it. The 620 WDAE, right? I think so. I'll find it. Okay. Anyhow. And also, tweet us your pictures from t- training camp. We can't be there this year. But I'd still love to see what's going on. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go Bucks.